What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. Today is a special day. We got Tyler Mills here. Been chasing this guy for years, finally getting him on the air. T Mills, what's going on, my man? You excited to get up on the pod? I just I just can't believe that this is a real thing that actually happens. I see you post it every week, but like to hear that the to see that there's an actual meeting and like seeing that there's another person on the end of this call too. I I, I couldn't believe it that this wasn't just some like fever dream that you cooked up. This is a real thing that actually happens. I'm I'm excited to be a part of it. Live in the Zoom flesh. And Rona, how you doing, bro? We we ready to talk some uh, we're gonna talk something here first that I'm not sure is gonna make you happy, but I think needs to be talked about. We haven't had any next therapy yet, so I, I think now is might be the time. Yeah, now now could be a time. We've had we've had some good good performances back to back, and I'm still still quite miserable. But uh, yeah, yeah, this this could this could be the time. Okay, let's just dive right into it. So the Athletic they posted a really long clunky list of player tiers, and someone took the time to go through that and look at the top forty three players under twenty five, and Guess who was not there? Your boy, RJ Barrett. And just one of a million things that has just been really tough to see this year is the lack of development for Barrett, lack of success for the Knicks. And how does that make you feel? Yeah, it just it just ties in with the whole season, doesn't it? Just uh, any chance that the world has to give us one more dig in the stomach, it's... Uh... It's it's just incorrect, really, to be honest. I think as much as the Knicks have gotten a lot worse this year, RJ Barrett has definitely shown signs that he can still develop into a perennial all-star caliber player. He's still only 21, and he's had, he's had a lot of big games this year. And the, some of the guys that were on that list ahead of him were, it was just, I think it was, it was ridiculous. I think, I think it's just a sign of the lack of success the Knicks have had that people are just forgetting about RJ Barrett. Yeah. yeah we'll, we'll go through this list in a second, but let, let's establish this first. I actually don't know. Tyler, are you, a, are you an RJ guy? Are you a Barrett guy? Uh, I don't know. I followed him in college, but not really much since he's made it to the league. I, I really couldn't like, I, I, I know he's made a bit of a, like a jump with the Knicks this season, but like, looking at some of the names that are on this list, I mean, he should definitely be above a couple that like, I mean, we'll get into it, but like Michael Porter Jr. Get the, get, I, I don't know. Injury. Go on. Go. <laughs> All right. Let, let's, let's uh, dig into it. And, maybe we'll have time to talk about whether we like these tiers at all. Um, but we have to keep in mind too, that this is including stars, superstars are so left off this. So tier one, Luka Doncic, he's the only player under 25 that's there. Um, Devin Booker, Jason Tatum, tier two A, Bam, Morant, Trey Young. And go down the list. You have Mitchell, 3A, which I think is bad. That Personally, I think he's got to be up there with Book. But then 3B, Jamal Murray, hasn't played. Jalen Brown, Shea Gilders-Alexander, tanking team. Tier 3C, Edwards, Lamelo, Zion, Mobley, DeJounte Murray, Ben Simmons, Tier 4A, you got Simons there. Brandon Ingram, Garland, Aiton, Jaron Jackson Jr., Jared Allen, Mikhail Bridges. A few more guys like that. It's a bonus hero. Tier 4B, you got Fox, Bain, Gary Trent Jr., Josh Giddy, Lonzo Ball, Cade Cunningham, Michael Porter Jr., Miles Bridges, John Collins, Scotty Barnes, Cyrus Max. You get the point. And RJ isn't there. But I guess let's play a game here. Um, and I'll start with you, Ronan. Not thinking about team contract for a second, not about the players on the team, coach, whatever, just talent, share potential. Knicks can trade RJ for any one of these players straight up. Do you? And I'll start with, I don't know, let's start in the bottom tier here, 4B. Would you trade RJ for Desmond Bain? No. He's a more efficient shooter. He's more efficient in the paint. He's averaging just 0.4 assists less yeah I, sure? I, can, I can respect it but i'm, I'm not trading rj yeah for for a guy like desmond bain no way tyler ah uh, desmond bain that's a that's a that's a tough one i don't think i'm moving rj for a desmond bain type i know like we're talking you know youth there but top top RJ's 10 shooter in the league right now top five shooter yeah but percentages percentages open shots and stuff like that i don't know these that, are not that's like, like saying, desmond bain yeah, takes difficult shots he's still he's, playing he's, with jammerant 
he's a better he was doing that when jaw was out and when you when you love all those sexy sidestep threes that tatum's taken desmond bain has a better sidestep three than tatum that that's just percent fact so we know your answer so do, do you think i mean all right well let's move down the list okay no 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 desmond bain we'll say no to that tyler hero no oh, okay there's some pause there was a pause. There was a thought there, but I, I'm still probably saying no, just because it's been it's been one season. Obviously, he had the good rookie year, that he dropped off. Now he's back to having a good year, but only coming off the bench. The question's still Fair there point. on him about whether he can really make it as a consistent starter in the league. So I, I'd probably say I'd say no, but it would it, it'd be it, you definitely I, I would think about it if the phone call came in, you know. <laughs> okay. He doesn't bring it defensively like Barrett either, too. That's fair. That's fair. That was that was one that was one sticking point for me thinking about some of these names. I I don't think I would do it because the the defensive potential. Um, great segue into this one, Lonzo Ball. No, average. Such an average point guard. That, whoa, 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 whoa! This, this isn't this isn't a Chicago Bulls. I would have said this. I would have said this. I would have said this before he hopped on the Bulls. He is a top five point of attack defender in this league point blank period. And he is a much better playmaker passer than RJ Barrett. What do you want RJ Barrett to be? I guess is the question. Lead score. Okay. Yeah. Lonzo doesn't, Lonzo doesn't have the ability to create his own shot like that. Then he won't, he won't. That, that's not who he is. And, and I guess it's like, we can keep going on this list, but like that, that's my biggest question is like, who is RJ supposed to be? And that, that's a bigger question than just the player himself. That's a product of Tom Thibodeau who couldn't develop anybody. I mean, it let, I'm not going to count Jimmy Butler in that because that's such an exception. Like he hasn't developed anyone else in this league. Cat suffered under him. Andrew Wiggins was Andrew Wiggins, but he didn't get any better with him. He Chris Dunn. Yeah, he, he literally drove people to the ground, but but like who is RJ supposed to be? And this I feel like this is supposed to be the season to see it. And again, maybe it's the next system, but when you look down the line on these lists, I, I think of a guy like Miles Bridges. It's very, very similar, almost exact shot diet. And he's just better at it because like that's what he does. Miles Bridges attacks the paint. Miles Bridges plays defense. He know and he knows his role. And it's because he knows his role that he's having such a breakout year this year and playing so efficiently. But like, what what should RJ do in this system? Because I feel like we have this like blue chip fallacy where we see him and we're like, okay, he's this guy from Duke. He's awesome. He's top five player in, in the world at his age. So he should get there eventually. But like, so is OJ Mayo. So, so is Harrison Barnes. I mean, there's, I'm, I'm not calling him OJ, but like, OJ but how many, how many times do we see young players and we continue to have these expectations for that, but they haven't found their identity because I don't think he's a guy who's going to do that. I mean, his skills, this is just straight up. Like his skills have not really improved that much. Like he's still such a raw talent. And that, that speaks to me in two ways. Like last year, I'm like, okay, he still has a lot of potential to go off of, but eventually that rawness just turns into lack of skill. Okay. I think the, the I think it's still kind of understandable for the, for the rawness to be there. I think the mentality side of it comes in as well. I mean, I don't know what other Knicks fans think, but I'm absolutely ready to hand the team over to him and let this be his team, not Julius Randle's team. I think he's in for a lot of stages this season. It has been his team. You look at, Randall and he just either looks exhausted or fed up whenever you see him on the court for the for the most part. I know he had that great game against the Kings there, but okay, it was against the Kings. I'm not going to get too too excited about it. So I just don't think RJ is ready to really take over and not really show any signs kind of in the background that he feels that he's ready to take over and be be the lead guy with this team, which is I think it's going to it's going to affect him and his development that, that, that side of it as well. Who looks more unhappy right now, Julius Randall or Russell Westbrook at any given moment. <laughs> oh man. Now that's a tough one because Randall is like, Randall hates it there, but like 
Russell Westbrook's getting death threats. So it's like it's <laughs> a little bit of like, yeah, like Julius Randle probably doesn't want to be a Nick anymore, but like Russell Westbrook doesn't feel comfortable taking his kids to the stadium anymore. So I guess like I'm gonna I'm gonna side with Westbrook's probably having a little bit tougher every year. Doesn't doesn't every player get death threats? And then not say that this isn't okay. It's not okay. I, I think it's terrible. Yeah, but- and I- Bro, you know, because he's so tenacious. I mean, how many different people have been kicked out of the Jazz Stadium because of Russell Westbrook? Oh, the Jazz. Sever- I'm not saying oh. they were not. I'm not yeah. saying they were not racist Utah fans, but like racist people seem to attack Russell Westbrook because of his like don't care, like screw you mentality. People see that and they're like, "Oh, you're a big tough guy, huh? Well, I'll show you a tough guy." Yeah, that's, just let me yeah. ruin nah, my career. <laughs> that's a whole. That's a whole other. Uh, segment is is the jazz fans and and their track record but uh <laughs> moving on uh but st- staying on rj here um i don't know I, 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 I do i don't disagree with you because at the end of the day you could still be right like three years from now i look like an idiot and rj barrett figures out how to make layups and shoot open corner threes and then he looks awesome like there there are ways for him to get better here and the knicks maybe they offload a lot of their clunky pieces that don't fit there and it works. Um, but like right now, yeah, <laughs> seriously. But like the, the big question is like, it's his third year. Does he get a rookie max extension? I don't think anyone's asked that yet. Does he? I mean, you say, you say no, but like, what do the Knicks as an organization do here? Do you let him, because he sucks now. He sucks now. It's going to look bad now. I mean, and he doesn't suck, but like, he's not... He is, but do you do you risk? Nobody's that? gonna give him a max contract. The Knicks can match what I. Uh, you think you think? But really? look at the Nuggets. Look at the Nuggets. The Nuggets had to keep Michael Porter Jr. in house because that's a small market move. <sighs> and we all know how many awesome free agents the Knicks are able to pull in every single year, right? You mean They're turn all away every single year. <laughs> so, do they have to operate kind of like a? I guess I don't want to say small market, but do they have to operate under the assumption that, hey, like we got to keep our our guys in house? And that's very akin to what they did, the Nuggets did with Michael Porter Jr., which right now looks not like a great move because he blew out his back, but seemed it's like only, a necessity. It's only like the, like the fourth or fifth major injury of his career, and he's yeah, under 25. So spot. that's a good sign. Yeah, couldn't see that coming. Uh, Michael Beasley didn't have the same problem. Greatest player in China. But do, do we do we give it to Barrett? From the Knicks point of view, I guess from the Knicks, pro- yeah. Probably from a Knicks point of view. I mean, knowing them, they'll probably make whatever is the wrong decision. They'll give it to him <laughs> and he'll end up being an average player. They won't give it to him, he'll go somewhere else and become a perennial all-star. That's that's just that's how it goes in New York. That's the biggest fear, right? Like you listen, I've been there. I thought I was so scared Lowry Markin was gonna go to another team and all of a sudden become Dirk Novinsky. And thank God he's still Lowry Markin because that would oh, be gosh. Uh, Damn. <laughs> There is some really cool text I bet I could dig up where uh, Lowry Markkinen was better than Jason Tatum. I bet I could dig up some real fun little hey, in, takes. In, you. In, fe- in February 2018, Lowry Markkinen was a 30 and 10 player, and I will hold on to that memory forever. But yeah. we're not here to Do talk about that? the old. We're not talking about old bulls. This, this uh, is this what, what happened by May. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we don't talk about that. I was I was looking at the draft odds. That's what I was <laughs> happening in May. <laughs> Um, but I, I want to look at this, uh, this list though. And I think Tyler, you might, you might agree with me here. I think Donovan Mitchell in particular is too low. I, I don't understand. I don't understand why he is not on the same level with Devin Booker and Jason Tatum. He's only, he's only brought his team to the playoffs like every single year since he's been a rookie. Yes. And like, yes, I don't know. I'm sure, you know, Rudy Gobert is so enthralling to watch him play, but, uh, the, the team needs to actually score the ball sometimes. So Donovan Mitchell is just a bucket when he needs to be. And obviously it's easy to take nights off in Utah. So like maybe like, because he's not having like such an unbelievable year, like that's why he's in this tier list. But that just like to, to think that, you know, that he hasn't done as much as Trey Young. They've done, they've done that. You know, that just was, about that the was a sticking point for me. Bam Adebayo and Trey Young being above him in, in 2B, especially like, I, I think, you know, it, it's tough to look at these lists and be like, oh, you don't watch the games. Like, obviously, these guys are watching the games. Like, in terms of just pure skill, like, Donovan Mitchell absolutely is there with Devin Booker. Like, he has turned himself into one of the best 
pull up jump shooters in the league for a guy who was looked at coming out of the draft, like, Oh, this guy probably can't shoot, but it'll be super athletic. And he is super athletic. He's still that good. And he's become such a good passer. And he's like the reason, like you said, the jazz are there. Like it's absurd to me that he's not giving that. And the jazz, I feel like the jazz are getting a lot of disrespect after being, I mean, they're, they're getting kind of the Portland trailblazers treatment where they're so consistently good every year that any little thing that we start to pick at them, it's like, Oh, he's not that good. Uh, well, just, Bear, just because they're not a just final don't. threat doesn't mean you know yeah just because they're exactly. not a final threat doesn't mean that they're you know not not legitimate players i mean you know i would i would almost you know say the same thing about Jokic. like just in terms of like i don't know if Jokic has what it takes to get to the next level but he's still consistent and he comes in every you know every year and he's the main primary scorer on a playoff bound team he's going to make the playoffs every single year all right we're going to go off script here what what could you possibly mean by that? This is you. You just disrespected Jokic oh, and Gobert no. uh, on this podcast. Are you kidding? <laughs> uh, yeah, Rudy Jokic Gobert's got one of the fattest deals in the NBA. He doesn't care at all. I have to say, Rudy Gobert gets forty-five <laughs> mil a year. <laughs> but listen, yeah, Jokic. Uh, go go look this up uh, when this when this episode is over. Look look up what the numbers are for the Nuggets when Jokic is not on the floor. They're a G League team. With Jokic on the floor, they are a top ten team. This guy is gonna bring, Sad. dude. They're Sad. gonna they're gonna bring him to the final. They're gonna be in the finals in the next couple of years. Mark my words. Mark my words. What stopped What stopped them last year, Jamal? Yeah, they they had no. They didn't have enough help. He didn't have enough help there. And I think look at what he's doing with like G League guys right now. But this is this isn't a Jokic thing. That's fine. So he'll he'll prove you wrong. Yeah, go on. Um, I want to talk some Celtics though, since we're, we're talking Spider and, and Tatum. Um, so Luca is up there, tier one. Tatum is down in tier two A. And now th- this thought just came in my head. Maybe this is a hot mistake, but like I don't feel like Tatum right now is that far off of Luca. Right now, when I say right now, I'm talking. December 30, right before they beat league best Phoenix Suns to now. Tatum does not feel a full tier off from what Doncic is doing. And to Doncic's Doncic's credit, the Mavs have been playing amazing since then as well. They've both had an awesome stretch, both teams, both players. Um, does that feel crazy to you? Not crazy. Not crazy at all. Not crazy at all. All right, so if I'm, I'm speaking your language then. Let's let's look at this real quick. So Tatum, uh, his team's offensive rating with him on the floor, 116.7. Doncic, 114.5. Both amazing numbers. Tatum's are better. Defensive rating with Celtics are 105.1 with Tatum. Doncic, 107.8. Just in terms of individual impact on their teams alone, Tatum's is better. Celtics, both teams have been playing well, but Tatum's clearly having a better impact. Um, surprisingly for me, and this is, this is a question for you, Tyler, because you're, I know you're watching all the Celtics games. It's surprising me how Tatum's shot from beyond the arc has regressed this year. And it doesn't feel like it's for poor shot selection like it was before. It, it feels like a, an outlier. And I felt that way first couple months, three months, four months, five months, but we're well coming to the close of the season. And he's still shooting 34% from beyond the arc. And that's what I felt like would be the separating factor offensively between him and Doncic because Luka just hasn't been able to, to get his shot going at all. And I, I don't know what you've seen as a fan, but what, what's, what's been the difference or if anything between now and last year? Uh, it's hard for Tatum to get an open shot because there's no true point guard on the team. Tatum's Marcus all Smart. year is pretty Whoa. much. Oh, let's not. Come on. I, mean, I could spend two hours on Marcus Smart. I'm <laughs> happy he's finally playing his role, and that's why the team is winning. But, I mean, Tatum and Brown have been creating their shots for, like, the better part of the entire season. So, so uh, you know, it, it doesn't – I would say that he – I would say a good percentage of those is him just pulling up with the shot clock going low or just not really having, like, an open look and getting the ball when he needs to, you know? Yeah, it, it does feel like they have like a similar similar shot diet in terms of when they need to be taking threes. Um, but I, I think I think Tatum's done better not taking a lot of dumb shots. Like he's he's been a lot smarter with with where he's chosen to uh, take his shots. Um, Still but I think what really highest points. 
Yeah. Who cares about yeah. percentage as long as the points are going down, huh? So the so I mean splits aren't as impressive marginally as Doncic. He's shooting, he's uh scoring 27.5 points per game, 7.8 rebounds, 4.7 assists. Well, Doncic is a 29.7, 10.3, and 9. I mean, that's that's disgusting. But in terms of defense, nobody can say anything about Tatum's defense anymore. He is an elite defender. Like that, that's that has not been talked enough about this year. And here's a little anecdote for you. Um, in an awesome win against the Nets, Tatum allowed nine points on 38 possessions against Durant and allowed zero points on 10 possessions against Irving. Two of our game's best on-ball creators. Well, two of the best on-ball creators in the world. And the Nets weren't off. They were playing a great, great game. Durant was having a great game. So he was a huge reason in that specific Kyrie's game. And he's, Ky, I mean, Kyrie was a bit off, but they were, they were pressuring. I mean, he wasn't missing open shots. I mean, they were pressuring him into situations where every shot was difficult. Every shot he was making, you're like, wow. Like, he didn't have anything easy that game. But for Doncic, like, he is a non-factor on that end. He's been better effort-wise this year, but he's not a factor at all. Non-factor so I, I might be a bit harsh. This year he's shown a lot a, more than he ever has. No, that's not harsh. That's positive. I'm being positive. I, I love I am I am the, one of the biggest Doncic fans out there. He is not being lazy, so he's not a negative. So when I say not a factor, he's not doing anything bad, but he's okay, not really okay, doing okay. anything great. I mean, in the post, I mean, if you want to break it down, like in the post, Doncic has been much better. Um, but like in terms of staying in front of guys, like he's he's a mismatch nightmare at times. But so where do we kind of differentiate the two in, in terms of defensive impact versus playmaking Doncic a little better there? I think there's an argument to be had that they're they're pretty close. They're they're not as far off as someone might think. No. If you would ask me last week, I would have put them. Yeah, I would have put Luca, Tatum, and Ja. If you asked me like two weeks ago, and then obviously Ja has just kind of wiltered, and Tatum has just kind of shown a lot more. But yeah, no, I mean Luca, Tatum, take your pick at this point. It's true. Like, career comes into it. You know, we know career comes into it here. Like Luca's got his, uh, his three All Stars and the two All NBA first teams already. Uh, no, Tatum's not not too far behind, but he hasn't got those those NBA first teams. You know that that element is coming into it, even though it's kind of based off off this season too. That that element definitely uh, definitely played a part in the rankings. But I think come the end of the season, maybe after the playoffs, we could definitely be thinking that the those two are absolutely on the same pair. Yeah, I I think it's gonna be really cool to see how that develops over the years because I think we've seen a really great linear progression for Tatum in terms of decision making. You know, he he still has his moments where he, he's not making those split second reads where you want him to, either addition it to the corner or addition it to the roll man. But he's been really good in the pick and roll this year, especially him and Rob Williams. They have a really nice synergy. And he's had a really great um, time in those plays to be getting into the corner, getting into the open shooters. And that's not something he's done over the past couple of years. And, you know, I'm not one to assume like linear growth, like I said because there's so many times where you might've hit your cap early, but this might be the best playmaking that we see out of Tatum. But I think he's shown enough over the past couple of years to convince me that I don't think this is the end for Tatum. I think he's going to improve as a closer and improve as a primary playmaker. And I think that gives him, I don't want to say a higher ceiling than Doncic, but I don't think Doncic ever is going to be a plus defender. I, that's, that's just not, he doesn't have the physical tools for it. He'd need and to get Tatum, in shape for it. Uh, yeah, and even if he's in shape, like Tatum is a legitimately uh, elite rim protector when he when he is in that role. When he's in that in that Rob Williams role, when they're throwing him on on the other team's worst shooter, like he is roaming the paint. He's doing well to to deflect shots, to deter shots, and that's not something that you can ever have Doncic do. Now, is Tatum going to be like a heliocentric ball handler like Harden, like like Doncic is? Probably not, but. In terms of defense, I, I think in terms of winning basketball, that defense has to be taken into account. And like I said, I don't think anyone's talking about it. That they talk about Celtics defense as a whole, but Tatum needs to definitely get some credit in terms of how far he's come as a defender and on the offensive end as a decision maker. No, Tatum. I mean, you you saw it on Sunday when they were playing Brooklyn. Tatum was putting his elbow into Durant's chest, like, "I'm here. Yeah. I'm yeah. here. It was you impressive. and I are equals. You and I are equals right now." So. Tatum's really kind of, I know he's thought of himself as that kind of player, but it really seems like he's kind of putting his foot down on it right now. Oh, yeah. It's a yeah. Bostonian I, I mentality that. there, huh? Yeah. <laughs> the Tatum is true. Um, speaking of equals, 
I loved this question. We were texting about this earlier. And this is one that I really hope doesn't just devolve into a bunch of hot takes and nonsense like most daily sports television. But two great point guards of our era, Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook, one's being upheld as the savior of a franchise who's been terrible for years, and the other is being thrown into the dirt. We already talked about Westbrook. Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook, Tyler, you asked it. Who's going to be remembered as a better player? And Ronan, I'm going to throw it at you first. Did you have an instant reaction to this? It, it, it feels like you have, a, you have an easy answer, it seems. <laughs> well, my instant reaction was Chris Paul, because I think too many people are going to remember this season for Russell Westbrook in L.A., and the, even you could you could argue maybe the last the last couple of seasons since since he left OKC you could make the argument he's had that he's had that kind of steep decline after being absolutely kind of unbelievable at times in, in his uh, in those years with uh, with OKC once once Durant left he was literally just a, a one man show and playing and winning basketball and he was absolutely unbelievable but. Chris Paul is that that steady Eddie, and he's he, he kind of had that little lull, and then he went to OKC and got it all back, and now he's in uh, in Phoenix, and he's the difference maker. He's the guy who's turning them into the uh, into the title contenders. And obviously, you can't look to rings with these guys because not neither of them neither of them have a ring. But I think the way their careers have gone, and obviously it's it's simple because Westbrook is always as much as he put up assist stats he was always a score first kind of guy and Paul was just that high IQ assist guy and and a great defender as well so it's kind of easier for him to keep that going for a longer time and Westbrook was always going to have that steeper decline and I think without the rings for either of them that just makes it easier for for people to remember CP3 as the better player I I don't I don't disagree with, with the, the perception style of it, but I'll, I'll, I'll keep my mouth shut for, for a minute here. I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you speak on it, Tyler. Yeah, I mean, if, if you obviously look at the numbers, you're going to think it's a Westbrook, but you can almost hold that against him in terms of he had that MVP year where it was all about the triple-double record. You know, he had to break the triple-double record. He averaged one. And then he basically kind of did it the next couple seasons, and the voters didn't really care. It just was like, okay, oh, we you can put up numbers, Russ. You can we you can make sure that you get all the rebounds and yeah, you're getting these assists and everything. Uh, uh, you know, Paul should have arguably won the MVP in 2008. I mean, he and Kobe were just neck and neck that entire season. So you can almost say that you know, not obviously CP3 needs that, but yeah, I mean, if you remember, they got traded for each other, and Chris Paul went to Oklahoma City on a team that was supposed to tank, 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 tank. And he dragged them, dragged them to the playoffs, that young, young team that, you know, obviously is developing now and everything, but he was so good. They had to move him again. They had, it was yeah. too valuable. It, yeah. it was contract wasn't just allowed to Albatross, you know, and both of them almost broke the Warriors. They both, you know, pushed it to game seven. So you can't really like differentiate there, but I, I just got, I just got to think that like Paul was the last of like a, the true point guard breed. But Westbrook was, you know, Westbrook was in that same era as like your buddy Derek, you know, they were just that scoring point guard that was different and athletic. So it's it, CP3 will probably be remembered better because, yeah, this season just went down in absolute flames. But it, Russ, Russ has done enough. Yes. And I, I think, all right, both of you guys said it and I, I thought I'd be the, the only one to see the question this way, but there's only one way to answer the question and it's in terms of perception. And that's what, that's what sports always is. It's, it's, everyone has different opinions on everybody and the way we look back on things, whether it's revisionist history and you should have done this, should have done that, should have played this way. It, we're always going to have an opinion and our opinion is going to be defined by this finals run that Chris Paul had with, with the sun scene that was bad for so long and the Lakers and, and I will we'll touch on this in a minute, I think, but this has just been one of the most, one of the most well publicized sports nightmares in probably a decade. 
I, I can't think of something that was supposed to be so good, but so obviously bad. Like it, I don't know how nobody, how most people didn't see it coming, but it, it was just a train wreck waiting to happen. And here it is fired kids dead everywhere. You it's, saw it's it's a train wreck. Don't worry. That's, that's all that I, I did. I, I won't rub it in everyone's face, but it's, I, I can't help but feeling as a rest apologist that this is even a question that we have to address. Cause it's like, the, the dude did put up numbers and it wasn't just numbers. Like people always say like, Oh, I just put up like the, the guy was absolutely bawling out of his mind. Like nobody did that for a reason. Nobody was able to put up those numbers for a reason. Like he's a freak athlete and he's just able to do all these things. And as a passer, I don't think he's been given enough credit and he, you don't get assist numbers like that unless you're an amazing passer. I think he should be considered as an all-time passer and to do it on the wizards, to do it, on the Oklahoma City Thunder. When Durant left, like there's there's no one there. Nobody. And he was and he was still putting up numbers on the Rockets, even though Harden was there. And I think, you know, if I'm actually gonna have to answer this question, one thing that does come to mind is teammates. You know, and you think about who who do they run with? Because playoffs, I think it's a wash. I I could I could run these numbers for you here, but I think they're both pretty comparable in terms of actual performance over the career. Both of them showed up. They had tough moments. They had great moments. Teams had good moments. But who did CP3 have? Who's his best teammate for book? Blake Griffin? David West. James Harden? (laughs) David West? Yeah, James Harden. It's got to be James Harden. And and Westbrook. So Durant, Durant. Harden, Beal, LeBron and AD this year. In terms of just pure talent that he's stood next to, it hasn't added up. And you said it best. I'm glad you brought it up because that's the same thing I thought of is what did Russ do with OKC by himself versus what did CP3 do by himself? And when you think about a point guard, what, what do you want your point guard to do? You want them to elevate a team. CP3 has done it two teams in a row. And Westbrook, I don't think it's fair. I, I do want to fight this notion that he's a team killer, but I think – Teams need to understand who he is. Like, he definitely has the good. Wizards. He did that. But he did. He did. He, he and that, that has playoffs. to be given credit. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. And, and because he was allowed to be given that role where he can do that, he can control the ball and everyone's going to throw it to him and he's going to make everyone better around him. But in these specific situations, it was never going to work out. And that's, I mean, we are going to remember Chris Paul as a better play. I think that's pretty easy to see in terms of perception. Yeah, not, not too much fight back on that one. It's pretty, pretty, pretty. Yeah, yeah. unfortunately, us. all three of us pretty much were like, uh, yeah, it's yeah, <laughs> definitely. But it's it's crazy though. Like the guy, the guy that I mean, Chris Paul definitely was in the twilight of his career. Like, and in terms of an albatross, like everyone looked at his his contract, like, wow, that's gonna be terrible. That's gonna be the worst contracts in the league. Like when we look back, just two years ago, three years ago, this this conversation is is a non-starter. No one's going to mention this at all. He got a lot of flack when he was with the Clippers too. Like they, yeah. they really, they really, really underachieved there. Yes, absolutely. The one so thing, I, the one thing you can give Russ to, just real quick. I don't think you can ever say Russell Westbrook took a night off. I'm not saying never. Chris Paul didn't put it all, but you can never question Russell Westbrook coming with his full focus to the game. Hundred percent. Yeah. I can't remember which game this was, but I visually, visually remember this, where he fractured his skull. He fractured his skull in a game. He played through it. And the 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 camera played, panned to his head. There's just a literal hole. Like you just see like a hole on the side of his head and he's still playing. That <laughs> and that, I think that just speaks to like just the, his fire. And I, I think I'll always love to remember. Russ, we're talking as if his career is already dead here. But I'll always think to, I'll always think back to his time at OKC. Uh, that's what I'll remember Russ as. I, I won't think of any of this this Lakers nonsense. That's what we are. We, are, we should all remember it. those those are the years we should remember. Unfortunately, can't. Yeah. We, we, he's kind of uh, he's he's done done what he's done to try and try and chase a ring. You, you can argue the last the last few years it's. Uh, it's just not worked out. And it's just funny that we're talking like Russ is the older guy. He's, he's got CBG got three years on him. We're talking like Russ is done and, and CP3 is just beginning, you know? Yeah. Um, do, do you guys have any hope for the, uh, we've talked Lakers so much, but I think it, it deserves a question that Timo's given been on yet, but 
do you feel like there's any hope for the Lakers to achieve what they're here to achieve by the end of the season? Hope. If that's winning a championship, then no, definitely not. Zero. I Zero. mean, it, it, they're just – I mean, you, you get to watch – what's going on in the game every night on social media because every single Laker is talking to every single fan who is talking shit to them. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's just like getting to watch the decline every single night. Usually there's like incidents every now and then they're just fighting. They don't care anymore. They're not, they're not concerned with winning a championship. They're concerned with people telling them that they're bad at basketball, which they are. Yeah, but without a defense, I don't think they're gonna they're gonna do too much. If they get to the playoffs, it's almost a big achievement at this stage. It's it's insane. Um, I mean, we talked about it at the beginning of the year, and I I felt crazy when I was like they could be the one seed, or maybe they'd be like the what did I say the seventh. I don't think I went as far as playing. I did not go as far as playing. But I mean, the Pelicans they they're catching up, and the Pelicans have looked good. That teams that have that have really turned things around this season Pelicans look good um gotta shout them out at some point but um I, I think I, I count that as one of the worst takes all season is when everyone in the beginning of the season was like it's all about superstars all you got to do is is get these guys in the door they'll figure it out they'll figure it out and it just it just had no regard to like how basketball is played and no regard to the personnel that was on that team at all and I mean, I think we want to talk about the worst takes you heard all season. I'll start off with that. The fact that Lakers will figure it out. Yeah. Okay. Well, like looking back now, obviously it is easier. I, I was it I was part of that camp. I won't I won't deny it. I, I always in my head I like to I like to believe that the most talented players in this league should be able to find a way to to play well together. Obviously, it has not worked out in any way this situation how much time have they actually spent on the court together? In, in the end, not really that much. I think AD is a key factor in this trio working. But, I mean, they just they have no defense. They they gave up. They gave up. I don't know whose decision it was to not, not bring Caruso back, but that was crazy. I think, I, think LeBron wanted, I think LeBron wanted Westbrook, but I don't think he was on board with how much they actually had to give up to get to get to get him into the team. They kind of gave up their entire team and they just have no defense now. So uh it was it was just it, it was a mess from LA. They 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 screwed the pooch on this one, no no doubt about it. It makes you wonder about their whole like GM decision making because clearly LeBron like, <laughs> it does. made the Westbrook decision and then all, that stuff comes out about Genie Bus not wanting Caruso. It, it, it just kind of makes you think like the biggest franchise, like not just in the NBA, basically in sports and like it's that not. championship hope. They are. I got I, I got to say this. That I found this out last week. I won't pretend like this is some secret knowledge I've had forever. But <laughs> it's it's interesting to know the the Lakers are owned by. It, I mean, it's literally a family. When people joke about it being a family business, it is quite literally their family business. You look at all these other teams are owned by like oil tycoons, like Mark Cuban people, like who just have a ton of money and luxury taxes, like. Oh, well, we still have like $30 billion left. That's fine. Like this, the Lakers are their business and that's it. And the fact that they have to survive on the margins by not signing their best defender and arguably the best point of attack guard defender in the league in Alex Russo was pretty much a testament to the fact that I don't think they're cash late. They, they don't have a lot of cash and they're just not willing to make moves like that. But yet they have three superstars. So it just was never going to work out from the beginning in terms of the cash position. Yeah, I mean they're not exactly paying those guys nothing. Westbrook and you know LeBron, AD, those are those are three of the thickest contracts in the league. Yeah. Well, what what is a, what is one of the things you guys heard this season where it's like that? Now looking back, that's one of the worst takes that you've heard. First week of the year, I heard uh, Trey Young was going to be a top five MVP candidate, and that one yeah. just fell flat. Yeah. And just even just even to think Trey Young, you know. Trey Young wasn't an MVP candidate last year, even when they were like a sleeper, you know, going in as the five seed or anything. They didn't make any upgrades to the team or anything. And obviously look where they are now. Trey, you know, it's, it's, it's easy. It's easy in your third year when you're an all-star and the team's not really winning to just start shooting out the gym and just kind of like taking nights off, things like that. So uh, 
yeah, trade, you know, I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't degrade him as a player, but he's definitely taken a bit of a step back this year, just in terms of the team success. The, the Hawks in general, like that, that take I think was, was married to the idea that, I mean, the Hawks were tremendous in the playoffs. I mean, it, they, they almost, they almost made it to the finals like that. And no one they expected beat the Knicks. That. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, just on that, like that was probably one of the coolest like NBA villain moments we've had in a while. Trey Young in New York, that, that felt like that should have been a, an awesome matchup for years. And um, thanks for screwing it up. But for, for the Hawks, it like, feels like, like the Hawks are going to make the playoffs. What do you mean? The Hawks and the Knicks are. Playing <laughs> they, they've, both done a, they've both done a good job. Of us <laughs> well, I, I, th- I think their competition here is like, who can disappoint more? And the Knicks are like, all right, we got this. Um, but and I can't well help but think that their situation is eerily similar to the Celtics, the way the Celtics impressed early, albeit that this was Tatum's rookie year. The Celtics really impressed early, and everyone was like, okay, here we come. Like, the, the Celtics are – they're obviously going to be awesome next year, and they're going to be even better the next year before that, after that. How many championships are we going to win in, like, five, seven years? Like, all these questions are crazy coming out the gates. But I have always been a little bit wary of how good the Hawks can be just because of the talent they're putting out on the floor. I mean, as a team, like, they did awesome last year, and they caught a lot of breaks. But I, I think we – people put a lot of expectations on a team that is still very young. It's not fair to, to compare that to the Tatum situation though. I mean, they're the second year, his second year in Boston after they went to the finals, they lost Kyrie Irving. Uh, they lost their, their best player. And then the year after that Tatum leads them back to, uh, to the Eastern conference finals. So I think that's a, it's a little bit of a, di- a little bit different there. Uh, different aspect there I think than uh, than comparing that that situation to the Hawks they didn't lose they didn't lose any major talent that they had from last year and Trey Young is supposed to be a guy who's going to be in conversations for MVP and all uh, all NBA first team on that and he just hasn't been able to really deliver that this year and he hasn't been able to be that that lead guy in situations when things aren't going well for the team Trey is not able to drag them out of that hole similar to what Jokic does for, for Denver, you know? Yeah, that, I mean, that's fair. I think I, I didn't mean it in terms of, like, comparing the two teams in particular, but I think in terms of the 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 expectation part. And I, I think that – I think that the expectations on the Celtics that early on was unfair to begin with because even though they, they definitely overachieved. I mean, let's just put it plainly. They definitely overachieved. Taking LeBron that close, like, that was definitely overachieving, even though it was admirable. And the Hawks making it that far last year was a super overachievement. And I think to expect them to do that again this year was tough. And to expect them to, to bring Trey to an MVP level. I mean, let's, let's face it. I mean, he's having an amazing year. I mean, he's, he's all NBA. I don't think he's all NBA. I mean, that's, I don't know how much up for debate that is, but I, I think he's most likely going to make a team. Um, But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm really disappointed in the Hawks. I, I thought they should have been better. And and Clay Capella. I think he's a top four guard. Top four guard? You're saying? You think, I'm, you're saying if he's going to make All-NBA, he's making the first team or the no, second No, there's team. an argument for it. There, there's an argument for it. There's an argument for it. With, with the Hawks' success this year, maybe he doesn't make Curry it. And jo- Curry and Jog, yeah. two of those guards. You're guaranteeing them. Yeah. I don't, I don't know about the other two, but I'm Luka just saying too. it doesn't Luka's very Yeah, Luca. there you and go. The way James Harden's going uh, in Philly, he might be fighting his way right back into that conversation that's too. Like, that's t- all, Tatum, all NBA Tatum caliber. All, all NBA caliber. Teams, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There NBA will be caliber. votes. There will be it. votes. There will I'm be just, votes. I, I'm just, if he was bringing his team and they had a better playoff record, maybe he'd be up there. But I just There will no. be votes, and they may or may not be yeah, from Atlanta Hawks reporters. Um, but moving on. This speaking of uh of guards here, this is my take that I hated the most is that the Grizzlies are better without Jaw. Remember that short period where Jaw was out, Grizzlies were just rocking, winning games left and right, and it was like Grizzlies don't need Jaw. Like they're they're good without him. That yeah, was the worst take. 
They, they well, <laughs> seriously. Yeah, you can start who doesn't man. You going back on that now? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not going back on that now. But like the the Grizzlies are an awesome team without Jaw, and the Grizzlies are potentially a championship contender with Jaw. That's the difference, and I, I don't understand how people didn't appreciate that. And it's like I think we get so used to teams that are just completely centered around stars. Like yeah, if, if Doncic stops playing, like Mavs are gonna suck. If LeBron stops playing, Lakers are gonna suck. But the Grizz, I mean, they are such a well-built team with players that fit with each other. They should be good when Jaws out because they're a good team, and then they become an awesome championship-level team potentially with Jaw. And I, I think that was, that was just a crazy take that people are were going off on. I don't know. Maybe I'm alone. Yeah, that had to be done. Come on, they were on such a good run. Everyone was just they just trying to have that little element that's going to come into a lot of people that that are just seeing the basics of it. They're just seeing them get those get those wins without without Jar, and they're just thinking, oh, maybe we maybe they don't really need that guy. And then in the last few weeks, Jar's going off, and everyone's like, oh wait, this is this guy's an MVP. But, yeah, um, then people are gonna be yeah, like, oh, can the him. Grizzlies win in the playoffs if they can't win without Jar? Like it's ah, uh, it's it's. It's never ending with this shit. A lot of Jaron Jackson. A lot of Jaron Jackson jerseys sold that week. He was the next. He's next up. He's he's gonna be great. I think he's shown strides this year. He's he's gonna be great. He's yeah. Now that there's you know a primary scorer next to him, he looks much better. Yeah, and I I mean he carried the the Grizzlies through some really dry stretches against Celtics there, and I thought really impressive that he was able to do that especially with Williams there, especially with Horford there. And he's done it against tons of good defense. And he's still young. He's raw, but he knows his role. When he plays his role, and that, man, I, I hate to bring it back to, to RJ, but, like, I feel like that's an archetype. And that that's, sorry, this is just popped in my head. But, like, you see a team like that with a young guy like Jared Jackson Jr., he can always fall back on his role. And that's that's what the Grizzlies are so good at when it comes to player development. Like, they have guys with potential, and they can continue building on that. But at the end of the day, they have their role and they know what they're supposed to do. And like, there's so many teams out there, i.e. the Knicks, with with some really talented guys, really talented guys on that roster. That, that just, honeymoon just period, baby. It's the honeymoon period, man. <laughs> the things are going good. Of course, you're gonna think, ah, this guy's doing this great. The Grizzlies are doing this so good. That was the same last year when the Knicks were were riding high. Coach Tiz wins Coach of the Year. Oh, get out of here! Look get out of that now, man. Look where we're at now. The playoffs last year with like a bunch of like 17 year olds on that team but whatever but that that take reminded me of, of another crazy one um and i'll admit it i i definitely pushed this a little bit uh but splitting up jalen brown and jason tatum that had to in retrospect right now we're, we're just talking about how awesome the Celtics have been how awesome jason tatum has been um that looks pretty stupid right no, early in the season it looked like there could there could then, be yeah. element to it, but now yeah, looking back that that was it uh, that was nuts. It's just so frustrating. That's what was so frustrating about the team is that nobody's ever said the Celtics didn't have talent. You know, they just had to figure it out how to gel with each other and everything like that. And the, the two of them have just kind of seemed to decide to take a team approach to it all of a sudden, which is all they needed to do. It's all they needed to do. Nobody ever said the Celtics weren't good enough. And that's why people get upset when they lose to like, you know, a Miami, a Miami, Miami's great, but they're you on paper. They are not as talented as the Celtics. Why did you pick they, that team? You could have picked like the Pistons, like because Miami, <laughs> because awesome. Miami is a, Pick, pick someone I love I love that right now you're saying the heat instead of like three months ago you'd have been like the 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 pistons or like the the I mean you beat the Rockets trying to think some other dog poop team dog water team that you haven't beat but Knicks. I mean then it wasn't crazy and and I think this is one of the most impressive turnarounds honestly I've seen in in sports in in a in a while because I think a lot of turnarounds come from uh, very specific change that usually has to do with personnel. Get someone out of the locker room that wasn't really working there. Get in a coach that's working better. You get in some some other players that work better. Like there, there's some team construction aspect to why teams make a massive improvement. This team has made a massive improvement with pretty much their same core. In, I mean, it feels like overnight. It's like they beat the Suns, and all of a sudden they're like, wait, like we actually can do this if we, like you said, play as a team, play defense, coach, commit to that coach, for four quarters. To them. Similar, similar, yeah. kind of similar I, to Dallas. You got to give credit to Udoka. Yeah, uh, absolutely. 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 
Um, that I think I think the the Celtics deserve to be a huge story for that reason alone, just in terms of the fact that they turn things around just within their own locker room. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it looks dumb now. I'll give myself a little credit that you know, maybe I, I thought the change would be personnel. Maybe you never get enough out of these two, and you you bring in some you bring in some other guys, and even though if it costs you a star just to get Jason Tatum to where he needs to be, it's awesome to see that they've they've figured it out just with the team that they have. Yeah, I was sweating. One one crazy take I saw that uh, actually turned out to be a fact was uh, Andrew Wiggins being an All Star. That was <laughs> when I first heard that. I, I was I, I thought it was insane, and then it actually comes oh. come true, and he's an All Star starter. And I'm thinking. Uh, sorry, no. Just show him what a joke the All Star Game is these days, and Andrew Wiggins is a, is a starter. Thank God for social media. Unbelievable, unbelievable. I know they're two different conferences, but the fact that like Jalen Brown's not an All Star and Andrew Wiggins was. Andrew Wiggins couldn't even get in the building to start the season. Andrew Wiggins was banned <laughs> the center to start the year. I don't want to hear it. it. It almost sucks for him that he became an All Star. Like. Part of him must be like, oh, man, like, did, did they have to vote me a starter? Like, the expectations uh, are just don't line up with what he can do. And he's like he's, a Harrison Barnes. Literally. And that's not bad. That's not bad. Like, why, no. why can't we celebrate that? Because he's been so good as a role player. So, so good. He's an elite role player there. But that's not an all-star. Yeah, that, that was that was crazy to me. And that's that's why we need to change fan voting, man. That, that needs to change. It's somehow, some way. You, you love the fans and you get engaged with it, but the fact that, um, man, I can't believe this, you know, that, that's a whole other thing. It became like a whole uh, controversial point, but everyone was really pissed off that a, a Korean pop star was a huge reason why Andrew Wiggins got voted. It, this is one of the biggest like retweets in terms of double all-star voting is that some K-pop star put it out and it got retweeted like a trillion times. And that was the expression <laughs> of the end. I didn't even know that. I didn't know that uh, either, and I'm, that just makes me even more angry. <laughs> Here's my last one. Suns were lucky last year. Caught a lot of breaks. They, they had a run. It was, it was like a Atlanta Hawks, except they made it to the finals. Man, Paul uh, elevated the talent. The talent was always there, but I mean, yeah. without a true veteran, those two, those two rookies could have just been flopping around, but now that they know what leadership looks like, I think they can take it on their own. Yeah, I know. I, I think that Chris Paul basically changed the trajectory of those like two two young stars. Yeah, I think we totally underestimated. And look, look at what the other guys have done. I mean, Aiden stepped up too. Cam Johnson has a huge game the other night without Book, without CP3. Playing, they're playing well without CP3. Like, and this is this is something that I've I've thought about when you look across the league. Um, you got teams like the Bulls. The Bulls were amazing defensively with Caruso and Lonzo. They were just hounding teams. They were just really just demoralizing teams. You take those two guys out, the team dynamic changes. Right now, you you take out Book, you take out Chris Paul, they've really developed a strong identity in terms of what they want to do offensively and how they compete defensively. And that's something, like, that's championship DNA. Like, they, they have that championship DNA, and that can't be underestimated at all. And I mean, it's, it's hard to predict that in the offseason when we're dropping all these hot takes, but the Suns have really proven everybody wrong for the past few years now. Yeah, yeah, 100%. It's good, it's good to see as well. You kind of like – sometimes it's fun when your hot take comes true, but it's also good when you get that splash back and they really kind of shove it down your throat. Like, I mean, best record in the league. Can't, can't argue with that. Lowry, 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 Markinen, Wendell Carter Jr. That that was the future. That was the future. Well, that's I, I don't need any any bulls uh any bulls therapy now. I'm, I'm fine. Fifth, fourth seed, about to be the fifth. Turn I out. don't think we'll we'll jump down further. We'll we'll see. Is, is practicing. That's pretty crazy, huh? That playing tournament wouldn't that just be wacky, huh? I I'm this this isn't this isn't a hot take. If we slip there and we had to play the Bucks, I'm chilling. I'm okay. Every game we played the Bucks, what? we've, we've what? been with, we've been we've been within four points, then six points. How many? And that's without won? anybody. None because we we haven't been able to defend <laughs> down the stretch. But that that's the point. That's the point. You you take away you take away the defensive identity. That, well, we, we don't have enough time to to piss me off like that. We'll we'll. <laughs> yeah, look at he's sitting up. He's sitting up in the chair. <laughs> <laughs> we'll 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 see what happens when when Lonzo when Caruso comes back at least. We'll see when Lonzo comes back at the end of the month. Pat, 
maybe those change, maybe they don't, maybe that was all a fluke, who knows? And I'll just wake up and then we'll start talking draft odds again. Um, but at any rate, I think we're just out on time. Ronnie, you made me lead this, so I, I don't You're do not we, still, we, we have one more topic I thought you wanted to What, what do we have? I had to talk about a certain Mr. Uh, a certain Mr. Curry and uh, what's going my on goodness. there? Poor this is my this is my biggest question. That's that's right, and I, I didn't even ask it because we have had you you talked about Lowry marketing. You just completely derailed me. That's why. Is Steph Curry did, still yeah. an MVP candidate? No. Nope. 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 It's not all. Not like, even. Not there's, even. There's at least five guys who are having better years than him: Embiid, Jokic, Giannis, Ja, DeRozan. They're all ahead of him. He's out. It's crazy. It was just so obvious the first like four or five months. Like <laughs> this, they're not. He was back. back. The first few months, he was he, back. He's back. The Warriors are back. Yeah. Defense is unreal, and I think this has to go back to a very, 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 very late apology. When um, I, I can't remember the year, but there's a year where people are like, "Oh, Draymond Green's getting got a couple MVP votes." like some some fringe like Joakim Noah-esque like MVP buzz and people are like what you're only good because you're next to the two best shooters of all time and I think this is this feels like the year where people are finally coming to respect what Draymond Green brings to the table this this isn't really about whether Steph Curry is an MVP candidate or not anymore it's it's about the fact that I, I think it shines a light on the fact that Draymond Green is and that Warriors team in general is amazing because of what he does on the floor they're 15 and 16 now without Draymond Green and I think that's one of the biggest reasons that Steph Curry isn't the MVP well there's also the fact that he's shooting the worst percentage from three in his career at 37.9 he's got lowest points per game in a few years his lowest field goal percentage in his career at 43.2 and I I know I know Draymond's got a bit of an impact on that with his playmaking and that but on the whole Steph's just he, He's just dropped off that that little bit. And obviously, in terms of team overall impact, if no Draymond is having a huge impact on, on their defense, no doubt about it. But that's that's not that I'd still think it's it's on Curry why he's kind of dropped out of the, the MVP race. He could still easily be that guy even without Draymond because the team are still third in the West. They're still having a, a, the the best year in a couple in a couple of years for them, but he himself, he he he's he's dropped he's dropped his level a little bit. It, it, all right, these this is marginal, but I mean, if you just look at his numbers with and without, I mean, with, with Draymond shooting, uh, he's in twenty seven points per game versus right now, without him, twenty four point three points per game on the floor. Percentage wise, he shoots two percent better from three with Draymond than without him. Maybe that's marginal. I don't know. But I, I, I think I still stand by that. By that. that would be. It is, it is, it is. And I, I guess I, I just want to talk about it in terms of the fact that team impact. I think we all look to Steph in terms of team impact, that this team is back because of Steph, because of Steph, because of Steph. And I think we step back here and realize this is, this is a team thing. And Draymond Green really is that main cog that makes everything go. But it, to, to your point, though, last year, Steph, Steph was balling. And they weren't going to give him any MVP buzz because the Warriors were dog water. But it's it does feel weird that he's he's not coming out. And it, probably variance, probably just shooting luck. But in terms of team impact alone, the reason they were good is because of Draymond, honestly, not because of, of Curry. Like, Curry was still going to ball out like that. They couldn't do it without him on the offensive end. But I, I just want to throw this out here. The Warriors are a league best 101.9 defensive rating across the season with Draymond. They're 112 without him. That doesn't even get him in the top 10. Let's throw that out there. So maybe maybe we should be throwing Draymond some MVP votes. I don't know. So what you're trying to say is you <laughs> brought up this whole question about Steph just so you could talk up Draymond Green. It's not my fault. Draymond That's where it led me. All roads, all Warriors roads lead back to Draymond at this point. <laughs> I think we're underestimating too how like this is, you can almost look at Curry's numbers kind of really started a dip when Clay came back. Clay just mm. like really hasn't been able to elevate him back to his old self. And I don't know, I, I've seen a little bit of the Warriors basketball. Clay has taken a lot of ISO shots in terms of just yeah. kind of like, I think the whole getting the Clay Thompson cheers from the crowd 
you know, on his night back, I think that kind of got to him a little bit. And he's, I don't think Clay's really buying into this whole new team. Cause if you th- think about it, man, it's been about two years. Like, you know, there's, yeah. there's a lot of new relationships on the team and everything like that. I'm not like, not that he's been away from basketball, but he hasn't been with the team like that, you know? Yeah. I don't it know. Does I, feel I, like I, he's think, pressing. I think it's, it seems like, you know, Dray- Draymond really did it, hold them together because Steph and Steph and Clay are just clanking shots out there, but the Warriors are still chugging along. Got to give Steve Kerr credit. Does it feel necessary though? Not, like, not enough. Feels like they have to, they have to let him do that. They have to let him do that. No. Yeah, to get to get back to a place, but what if he's what if he's not that guy anymore? When do you have that conversation? Do you just hope not that he'll shoot though. out of it in the next? After the playoffs, I guess is when you have the when you no. have the conversation. I think. I think they're going to give there. They're hoping he's going to get back there by the playoffs and then see what happens. Come come playoff time, I'd say that that's kind of the mark, really, when you really start to think whether he's he's there or he's not, and there's if maybe time to look more towards the youth and the, a lot of talented youth that the the Warriors do have in their team. Yeah, I mean, it. well, I just pulled it up. He's shooting 37% from three on 7.5 attempts, which is, I mean, that's that's high volume. Um, that's 41% for the field, though. So, and anything inside, inside the arc is, has been tough. And, you know, that's something that we expect. I mean, we saw those two dunks from him this first game, and it was like, oh, okay, he's, he's back athletically. But, you know, it's going to take time for him to get his legs back under him. And I think he still shows the athleticism enough athleticism with what he used to do that he can get back there. But I feel like they have to, and they, they have to get him back to that point. Um, Moses Moody though, maybe, maybe <laughs> throw him a bone or two, give him a chance. Jordan Poole has been off too. So yeah, it's, it's true. And I, I think that we've talked about Westbrook and all the negative attention he's got. I don't think anyone has even whispered the thought that ooh, when Clay came back, the team maybe played a little different. I don't think anyone's even the thought to say that. Everyone loves Clay. He was injured Clay. for two years. Give him Everyone a break. loves Clay. Two years. Everyone does love Clay. That's true. It's easier to criticize a guy, a guy like Russ, but at the same time, things are still going good for the Warriors. I mean, obviously they're they're on a bit of a slide at the moment, but the fact that they were in such a strong position where they they were probably just only just behind the uh, the Suns when. Clay came back first, so things are going good. There's no reason to criticize. This is this is the Warriors. This is their their plan. They 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 got to this level so they could set up for this, you know. So while things are going good, you ain't gonna you ain't gonna get any flack. You ain't gonna get any any criticism. But let's see what happens come the postseason. There might be uh, some big questions asked if things don't go to plan in the postseason. Yeah. Um. There we go. I don't think I missed anything yet. Don't mention any more uh, bulls who are no longer bulls. And I think we'll be fine next time. We will not mention the name will not be named. No Lowry's. No, no Wendell's. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> um, I, I, I want to end actually with one point because Ronnie, you texted me this. How are you feeling about Cam Reddish? You excited about Cam Reddish? I, I'm sorry. I didn't do a really good job with Nick's therapy today. I said Nick's therapy and I just told you why RJ Barrett sucks. That was not very nice of me. I was, I, I was happy to see that the f- first game, the only game he's actually got to play meaningful minutes, he did ball out, which is good to see. And hopefully Coach Tibbs has taken notice of that and he'll start giving him some more time. I'm not going to say he's going to take us to a new level or anything crazy like that, but it was good. Re- he did all he could when when given a chance, which is which is all you can ask for, really. I wonder if that'll piss Tibbs off. He's like, all right, I, I got to bench this guy. He can't prove me wrong. <laughs> He's going to catch a DNP next Probably. Time. Well, at, at any rate, Timos, the, the, this show is yours. So you got any last words for us here? That's just such an awful thing to throw on my plate, like right when I'm getting ready to wrap up. Just be like, the floor is yours. Just like do whatever no, what you else? want. No, what else? You, like you, got, you got anything else to tell the people? To tell the people? This was a wonderful experience, you know. I had a I had a great, fantastic time, you know. I I joked about it a lot, but uh, yeah, we actually had some pretty meaningful conversation. I had a pretty good, pretty good time to chat with you guys. Oh, that was, that was really nice. I was I was expecting some ridiculous. Brother, I don't have venomous. the problem you can't put you can't put like you know you can't be like, hey, funny man, do your funny joke like Kanye did. <laughs> that one time. Have you ever seen that video? <laughs> Yeah. Dave, we need yes, to I laugh. Am. Tell us a joke, and he's like, oh, "Don't do that. Don't say that to me, please." 
Don't put me on the spot. Well, Tyler, thank you for being on the spot this whole episode. It's been awesome having you. Hopefully it's not the last time. Um, everyone, thanks for joining us for this nonsense for the past hour. It's been wonderful as always. We'll see you all next time. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Coast to Coast. Don't forget to hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at Coast to Coast NBA Podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show. And remember, take every shot and love every moment.